Hello, 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 and welcome back to Coach's Corners. It is the new year. It is the new season of Coach's Corner. Um, I don't know if you knew, but there are seasons of this, technically. This is technically, well, it was technically the second season. I guess we'll, we'll move into the third season. So, we're into the third season of Coach's Corner. We're into some new stuff, but we have to touch on some old stuff that did happen over the <clears throat> break, over the holiday break. My picks, of course. We have to finish off the year. Of course, we do our college football picks. Of course, we pick some winners. And we finished 18-12 and 12 during bowl season. A very, very nice number. Um, overall, I think I did I did a, like a Bowl Mania ESPN picks. I think I went 25-12 and 12, if I'm not mistaken. So, overall, I feel like I was pretty sharp this season. Overall, um, we'll see how I finish. So I'll give you my college football playoff pick, or my championship pick, um, the two that I have picked out. And then we'll tally up those for next week. I'll give you my final record. I think it's going to be very, very, very good. Um, I'm anticipating it to be at least. And so, um, like I said, just to touch on some things, before we get into my picks, kind of reviewing over bowl season and all that, I feel like we have to talk about the playoff games. I feel like it's only right... This is I would I would say this is mainly a college football show. Now nowadays it is. And we I mean feel feel like we have to talk about the playoff semifinals that happened. Alabama, Michigan, Texas, Washington. Um they were good games, you know. This is last year of the 14 playoff, you know, and I feel like they sent it off on a good note, you know, it's not one of those we look back at the playoff era, we're gonna be like, man, a lot of these games stunk. And they did. But we had our select gems. We had UGA versus Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. That was terrific. Um, we had Georgia versus Ohio State in the Peach Bowl. That was terrific. Um, we had some different variations of matchups. We had Ohio State-Clemson, I think, was a good rivalry that we kind of got multiple times in the playoffs. And, I mean, we move on to the 12 team now, and obviously I think some of that you know, animosity between the top programs will go away. Um, but I still think that we'll get some good stuff out of the 12-team playoff. I'm looking forward to it. But, yeah, I don't think the 14-team the playoff was, the era was, I would say it was probably more trouble than it was productive, if I'm really being honest, just because, I mean, we had debates like this year. We had the first year of the playoff, TCU got left out. Um, we had the blowout in the championship game, which made everyone be like, well, why are we even doing four teams? Let's just go back to two. It's just a whole lot of discourse about just the system in general that I think was bad. And, I mean, frankly, I don't think the discourse around college football is any better than it is <clears throat> than it was like back then. I don't think it's better now. It's way worse because everyone wants the regulation on NIL, the transfer portal, all that stuff. And I get it. There is the, There is an issue. But... We knew this was going to happen, you know. I mean, frankly, I've, I've always <clears throat> maintained that NIL is the good part of this. Transfer portal, there are some issues with that, and I think they have to iron that stuff out. But the NIL still is overall good. Okay, I don't, I want the listeners to not hear NIL and think of it as a trigger word. Simply put, I mean, this is just the way that I think about it. If you're pro capitalism, you're pro NIL. That's really all it comes down to. Because the market's determining these players' worth, and people are willing to pay that price, so they're paying it, and we're getting a lot of player movement, and that's just the reality of this. And, I mean, I feel like the, fr the more that you like think of that mindset, 
NIL is just capitalism. I feel like it just comes a lot easier for a lot of people other than, you know, take away all of it and make everyone kind of go back to making nothing except just their scholarship, which a lot of players that aren't on scholarship suffer. But regardless, like I said, you know, just NIL is good. Transfer portal, we have to fix that. <laughs> the, I think the schedule, the calendar is a big like talking point for a lot of coaches, and I think that's a fair criticism. Um, so th- th- once they figure out the calendar, once they figure that out, once we get into this 12-team playoff, I think, you know, we're in the transitional period for a lot of that stuff in college football. We just are. You know, it's just one of those, you have to go through the growing pains to get to the place that's better, and I think that's where we're going. Um, so, like I said, I starting off with Alabama-Michigan, frankly, it was a bad game. It was. I mean... We see an overtime game, and we're, we kind of get tricked into thinking, man, that was a really good game. But the game was sloppy. I mean, there was a lot of big moments, a lot of big mistakes by players. Um, special teams matters is really the kind of the mantra for Michigan going forward, I feel like, now. Um, multiple muffed punts that almost cost them the game. They, were, they, you know, they get the ball back with, I think, a minute left, and <clears throat> this returner, who I don't know, he wasn't the normal returner. He was... Like the normal returner did muff the ball, but he caught he came back and just kind of fair caught a couple pallet, like balls, you know, it was fine. Um and they put this kid in for the, the biggest catch of his life. And he first of all catches the ball as the punt returner on the one yard line. Um drops the like goes forward, drops the ball, almost goes back into a safety to lose the game. Somehow he doesn't, somehow that he gets to the one yard line. They fight for overtime. Um there's the blocked or the, I don't know if it's a blocked kick, but they missed a kick. They mishandled a snap on the point after. It was just mistake after mistake on special teams for Michigan. That I mean, they were just trying to give this game to Alabama, but they couldn't because Alabama just you know they well, Alabama like struck in their moments, but overall their offensive line was absolutely trash. Um, I think Michigan. I feel like that was kind of a point that was made a lot during the game. That's like, hey, Michigan's running this NFL scheme, and it's one of the best in the country. And people were going to get poached from this Michigan staff. And frankly, I can understand why they were cooking up some amazing blitzes. Like the Alabama offensive line, which has kind of been a weak point, I think, all season, did not perform. And you know, I've been a, I've been a big like not anti Milrow guy, but like Milrow isn't this you know, great, amazing quarterback that we all think he, or that the media hypes him up to be, um, just because, I mean, he came back from being benched. Like, he's fine, but I feel like this was, this was the Milrow that we kind of have, where it's like, you get one or two turnover plays, you get some good running, um, he throws a lot of deep balls, and he doesn't capitalize on that over, you know, middle of the field, he doesn't, I don't know if he like has a great awareness in the pocket. Like for being as athletic as he is, he was not escaping any any pressure that was coming his way with the Michigan pass rush, the blitzes, like I said, all that stuff. He just wasn't. It was and I mean, obviously the snap, I think that was a big point of contention was the snaps were low like here and there and like I say couldn't really go anywhere they were containing him. Like, I mean, it's, it's, I'd say it's a blame share of like 30% Milrow, 70% offensive line because snaps were terrible. Like, pass rushers couldn't handle more than, 
or the blockers couldn't handle more than five rushers, or they couldn't handle the five rushers. Like, it was a whole deal throughout the game that, you know, he just couldn't really do anything. But, like I said, you have the one or two turnover-worthy plays and the one fumble, although it didn't result in points, that felt like the momentum shifter, like, a lot of momentum swings in this game. That was the momentum swing that kind of was like, a Michigan can come back in this game. Like, there's not going to be a knockout blow by Alabama here. Because, I mean, like I said, they didn't get points. Michigan didn't get points off of that fumble. But I think it put in the back of the mind of Alabama, like, oh, man, we do have to be really cautious with this. And it, I think they played it a lot safer than they would if it was, you know, any of their other quarterbacks that they've had over the years that just kind of, like, it made them play safe. And I think that... Those type of plays, that's what kind of limits this Alabama offense. And, I mean, obviously I think Alabama will be back next year and they'll be just as annoying as ever. And I'll have to keep, you know, keep fighting the Milrow stands. But, like I said, I don't... He's a fine college quarterback. He's nothing special. He's not, like, a Heisman-winning quarterback. Like, he's just a good college quarterback that can run around and throw the deep ball. Which is fine. That's totally fine. So, but like I said, Michigan's defense is out of this world. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, although I don't think he his timing was great throughout the game, he came out when it mattered. Um, the oh, what was the, it was a trick play that they tried that almost ended in disaster. That somehow was a like twenty yard gain. That was a crazy play. Um, his throws to Wilson, the receiver, <clears throat> time and time again were big. Blake Corum continues to prove why he's a you know, stud running back that, um, I mean, obviously I think the miles on him will kind of catch up to him in the NFL, but I think that like, he's a very strong inside the tackles type of runner. And he showed that in the overtime game. So yeah, no, I mean, uh, it was a great, it was a, it was a fun, great game, but it was, it was sloppy. You know, it was not perfect by any means. Like where I feel like the Ohio State Georgia game last year was kind of like this game is terrific and you know it it really like you couldn't make a mistake. This this game was like you can make so many mistakes, but just don't be the team to make the last mistake. And Alabama was the team that made the last mistake. Michigan moves on, biggest win in Harbaugh's career, biggest win in probably Michigan, you know, twenty years. You know, it's 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 just huge. It's a big year for Michigan and. If there's ever a team to win it, it has. I feel like it has to be this one. Like this feels like, you know, you're at the peak of Michigan right now for in the past, you know, decade or whatever. And this is, if you don't get this championship, I'm not sure what you're doing. So say all that to move on to Washington, Texas. This game also was exciting. It was kind of like a false. <laughs> I won't say it was a false close game, but like this game shouldn't have ended the way it did. But going back to the beginning, um, a lot has been said already about Michael Penix Jr., his performance out of this world, placing the ball every which where, every which way it needed to be, just in the breadbasket for every receiver. Also, Romeo Hodun's unreal talent. I I've really liked him, but he like kind of showed off for the main stage, I think, in this playoff game. Cause I all these receivers at Washington are great. But he's really just a stud there, and he showed it. Michael Penix, like I said, he showed it. His pocket awareness is out of this world as well. I don't know where his NFL career will go just because, 
You know, he's 24 right now, two ACL injuries, left-handed. Like, left-handed is a weird thing for NFL coaches to really grasp. <laughs> there's, I, there's only one, I think, in the league, and it's Tua. So, either way, Michael Penix Jr. just throws lasers, throws it right where it needs to be, just diced the Texas defense. And, you know, they're, I mean, this has kind of been Washington's kind of team identity is being a chameleon. And I think, you know, they just played really well. They they were just, I think, the worst possible matchup for Texas because they can, you know, play in a shootout. They can shut you down when they need to. Their defensive line play is really solid. Um, and, I mean, I think that showed with how Texas couldn't consistently move the ball you know, outside of a few chunk plays, like, they just, they just couldn't, like, it's a deceiving, like, 30 points that they had, or around 30 that they had, because, yeah, like, Washington felt like they were in control of this game, it felt like they were up 10 points for basically the whole second half, like, they were just kind of by virtue, and, you know, Texas's offense just couldn't really get anything going, I think Sark, struggled to really kind of adapt in-game. Um, Quinn Ewers, the timing was off multiple times for his receivers and stuff. So it was one of those, like, just the perfect storm, I think, for Texas to lose, Washington to win that game. And, yeah, I mean, Washington's been a great story all year. People have doubted them. Uh, they're doubted again, once again, the championship. So we'll see how that plays out. Because I think this will be, like, Michigan's defense versus Washington's offense really feels like you know, a grudge match. These two units are probably the <clears throat> like probably the best in college football. It's probably the best defense right now in college football, the best offense in college football. And I mean it, it is curious also to see how the Michigan offense will fare against this um Washington defense. Cause like I said, Washington's defense has shown up in spots to play their best games when they absolutely need to, and they'll probably need to. I mean, to stop this run game, you know, if their offense is sputtering, they'll the defense will have to step up. Like, it's just kind of how Washington's been built and how they've won games this year. But, I mean, one versus two, obviously I'll maintain that Georgia's the best team in the nation. But, since they're not here, I think these are the two other best teams in the nation. I do. Like, I mean, Alabama showed they weren't all year long. Texas had their, you know, problems, and their problems kind of reared their ugly head in the playoff game despite that coming down to the last play. I, like I said, I think Washington played it well. Um, we'll get to them later with, against Michigan, my pick there. So, But with all that intro stuff being said, let's get into these picks. And then we'll touch on some NFL afterwards. You know, We'll review, review all my bowl picks. We'll do the Washington-Michigan bets. And then we'll go over NFL and get out of here on a Friday afternoon. So, Running through the whole bowl season, all my picks here. Georgia Southern versus Ohio, over 48.5. Georgia Southern didn't really stand a chance in this game, but they did score some points towards the end to push this over. I appreciate them. Jacksonville State versus Louisiana Lafayette. This game was actually a really good game. Came down to a last-second field goal, and that's what Jackson State was favored by. They kick it, get the win, help me go 2-0. Miami, Ohio, plus six and a half against App State. This game was a train wreck. I don't know if anyone caught this one. Rain was pouring. There was a flood, essentially, and there was, like, eight probably fumbles. I, like, it wasn't eight recovered fumbles, but eight fumbles from the both teams. Um, App State won the game, but Miami, Ohio did cover. <clears throat> and then this is where we kind of get into some trouble here. We went on a little bit of a skid. 
Mexico State versus Fresno State, over 51.5. Fresno State did amazing in their part. Mexico State did not show up. Uh, Cal plus three versus Texas Tech. Very promising start, but Cal faded towards the end of that game. They ended up losing by way more than three. Um, Georgia Tech versus UCF over 63.5. This was another game that was promising. Georgia Tech, I think, did their part, but UCF wasn't able to rebound. The over was just too high in this one. Tough scenes. Troy minus 7.5 versus Duke. Pitiful performance by Troy. It really, like, nothing went right in this game for them. Duke showed up. Um, shout out to Duke. Also picked up Malik Murphy from Texas um, to be their starter next year. But, I mean, they just handled this bowl game. They handled business. Troy did not win. Then we got another little upswing here. Air Force plus 2.5 against James Madison. Air Force, reliable team this year. I thank you for your service. Plus 2.5, they win outright. Georgia State, plus one and a half against Utah State. That was another weird one. I don't know if they thought Georgia State couldn't travel to Idaho and win this game or what, but Georgia State won that game outright pretty easily. And Northwestern, thank you. Thank you, Northwestern. I will remember the 2023 Northwestern Wildcats for the rest of my life because they were a monster this year. They covered their last, like, seven, eight games. Unreal performance. They were underdog, I think, in every game virtually. They were under, underdog against Utah, plus six and a half. They won that outright. Then we had a rough little end here. San Jose State, uh, minus nine and a half against Coastal Carolina. This was one of those, it was a fluid situation because I should have seen it. Coastal Carolina's coach posted up with the mascot and like 10 like Coastal Carolina dancers in bikinis posted up on the beach with a chain. I should have realized that was, that was the sign. San Jose State didn't stand a chance. So they ended up losing that game. Never were close to covering. Um, we had Kansas versus UNLV. The over 64 and a half. That was like 49 to 36. It was such an easy over. <laughs> but, I mean, that that was a great game. Fun, fun game. For a UNLV team, I salute UNLV for their... You know, they were helpful in the early season for me getting them on the plus sign a lot. They faded towards the end, but they got me over at the end. I appreciate them. Uh, Tulane versus Virginia Tech. Tulane's quarterback sat out. That was kind of a gut punch there that ended the Tulane dream there. They ended up losing that game against Virginia Tech. Uh, Louisville versus USC. I had the under 57 and a half. That one went way over because the USC quarterback, oh, I forgot his name. It's like something Moss. He had six touchdowns, I think. So him alone almost covered this over. Uh, I don't know if USC's really rolling with him next year. I think he showed, obviously, enough um, to earn the job going forward. Um, Louisville continued to just be just such a frustrating team. I will never forgive you, Louisville. But that one went over. Oklahoma State, Texas A&M. This one squeaked over 53.5. This was the last win on this first page that I have of bets. Um, then SMU minus 10.5 against Boston College didn't even, was never really close. Like, Boston College just won this outright, kind of handled the game. Like, I don't, I don't know what SMU is on, but they were not on winning time. So, moving on to the next page. This is really where I made my money. Um, these last, like, like 12 picks that I did, basically the, the notable teams, I nailed almost all of these. Um, NC State versus Kansas State under 47 and a half. That one clocked right at 47. So that half point was huge for me. 
Um, barely won that one. Arizona. Uh, Arizona might be, they might be the East Carolina of this season. And, I, like, I gave my shout-outs to Northwestern, UNLV, uh, Air Force. But Arizona, oh, Arizona's a special talent. It's minus two and a half. They won that outright. They were down 24 to 14, I think, at halftime. They ended up going on, like, a, oh, what is that, 24-point run, like, <laughs> to end the game. Arizona, just terrific stuff. I love you, Arizona. Um, Memphis plus eight and a half versus Iowa State. This was like one of my absolute locks of the bowl season. Memphis won that outright. The plus eight and a half was insane. Um, Mizzou minus two and a half versus Ohio State. This game was painful to watch. No offense was being played. Even though Mizzou was playing, they're good players. They still couldn't really score. Ohio State's defense proved to still be their like leading, um, you know, leading talent, I guess. Throughout the season, um, just Mizzou couldn't barely move the ball, but they ended up winning fourteen to three. I think so. Sure, give me that. Ole Miss plus three and a half against Penn State. Penn State's offense is just ah, it's a, it's a sight to be seen. We'll see if they make any changes next year. They have to if they want to compete in the new Big Ten. Ole Miss lost a big running back, so we'll see how they do next year. But they've been landing transfer portal guy after transfer portal guy. On the defensive side of the ball, so shoring up some issues. We'll see how Ole Miss does next year. I'm very curious to see, like, how does their offseason really look? Like, how what is their final roster going to be? But they dominated Penn State. Great performance from them. Auburn versus Maryland. Maryland did their part. Auburn, Auburn stunk it up. So this was my first loss on the you know this page. Like I said, doing fine. Georgia minus 14 against Florida State. You can guess that was the easiest cover of all time. <laughs> um, minus 59 and it would have been a winner in that game. 63-3. to That was a prove it. Prove your point that you're the best team in the nation game from Georgia. Never a doubt. Um, and here's the, you know, a couple more losers. Wyoming minus 3.5 against Toledo. I don't know what that was. I frankly like Wyoming's offense didn't show up, but kind of a defensive struggle, and that kind of killed my next bet. Wyoming Toledo over forty four and a half never got there. Um, I mean, it was also probably partially Toledo's quarterback was out, so that was tough for the over. But yeah, Wyoming didn't do their part, but they won the game. Good for them. Um, Iowa versus Tennessee under thirty six and a half. This one hit, but it's very funny how it did. Tennessee 35, Iowa nothing. <laughs> so very, very picturesque um, season ending for Iowa. Of course, that was how it was going to end, of course. Um, Oregon minus 17.5 against Liberty. Once Bo Nix said he was playing in this game, that was an easy bet for Oregon. Uh, then we have Alabama plus 1.5 against Michigan. Obviously, that one was loser. We talked about it earlier. Uh, then Texas-Washington over 64.5. That one was a nice win towards the end. And Washington, plus four and a half against Texas. They won outright. And that is the 2023 bowl season. 18-12 and 12 is my final record for the bowl season, like I said earlier. Very, very good time. And I enjoyed every bit of those games. I didn't enjoy the first half of games, but that second half, man, we went on a good run to recover, but... We move on to the granddaddy of them all. I guess it's not the granddaddy of them. We will go on to the season finale of the college football season as we do the season premiere, Coach's Corner Season 3. My first pick, Washington plus four and a half.
I I feel like I have to do this. And it's one of those, I think Washington can win this game outright, but it's also one of those, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan won by three. And so that would give me a win for Washington. So give me the Huskies here, plus four and a half. That feels like a very nice number, you know, get, gets me the field goal if I really need it. But I, I think the Huskies can win this game outright. Their wide receivers make just play after play. Um, and although I think Michigan's cornerback, Johnson, I believe it is, is a, he is going to be a future star, I, I just don't know what he can do against Romeo Adunes, if I'm being honest. He's one of the you know, better receiver prospects I've seen, and like, he's in the same class as Marvin Harrison, and obviously people think he's you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread. So, like I said, I, it's one of those I think a good offense can, you know, and, and I mean, like I said, Michigan's defense is very good, but I think a good offense can stifle or can overpower a strong defense. I think that is the case here. Um, the only issue I could see is if Michael Penix kind of goes back to his old ways where he's just not, you know, he he's had stinkers this year. Like he... Although as a Heisman contender, he had some pretty bad stinkers. If he goes back to that mode, then the Washington could really be in trouble. But I think he'll be more towards the middle, if not, you know, the good Michael Penix that we've seen. Um, that leads me to my next point: Washington versus Michigan under fifty-six and a half. Um, this one I'm not super confident in, but I do think that you know if Washington wins this game, it'll be close. And I can't see Michigan scoring more than 24 points. You know, that's just, it's one, I, like, I'm banking on Michigan's offense not scoring a lot, and I, I think Washington will win close. So in that world, that reasoning, I have the under here, 56 and a half. That is a lot of points, like, underrated, that is, you know, eight touchdowns and a field goal. Like, if if that overhits, so I I don't know if that'll happen. I mean... I feel like if it goes over, it'll be like a 70 point over. Like it's going to be way over uh, other than, you know, the other side of it is the under, I think has a lot better chance here. So that's why I think the under is the bet to go with. That is the national championship. We'll obviously talk about it when we come back next week, but I'm looking forward to it. I am. I think this is actually, you know, it, since my team is not playing in it, I think this is actually I think this might be the most fascinating matchup I think we could have gotten out of this because I mean Texas or Texas Michigan would have been interesting, but I do think Michigan would have won that one easily. Kind of the same reasons why I think Washington won. Um, and I don't. I mean, I didn't want to see Alabama. So like, from the perspective of my team isn't in it, but I still want to watch this game. I think it's pretty high on the scale of I, I'm going to enjoy this. So now we move on to the NFL and. I'm not going to do the thing where I go through game by game. I'm going to kind of just go over, you know, what what I have is the playoff picture in front of me, the AFC, the NFC, and what could happen. So, obviously a lot has happened since I last talked. Uh, Ravens kind of went into San Francisco and took their lunch money. Then the Ravens went back home and took the Dolphins' lunch money. Ravens are playing the best ball right now. It's pretty easy to see that Lamar Jackson is likely the MVP. Um, Todd Monken has, of course, he's unlocked him. I've kind of talked about that all year just because I know Todd Monken. I know that offense pretty well after seeing it two years. Ravens are a machine right now, but I do think they could slip up. I mean, uh, 
it's one of those, it would be hard in the AFC, but I do think an NFC team could, you know, provide some issues. I do think that, you know, any of the top three, 49ers, Cowboys, Lions, obviously the Ravens beat the 49ers, they beat the Lions very easily, but I mean, I like their chances more than, I mean, the Dolphins, the Chiefs have clear issues, the Browns, Browns are such a wild card, but I mean, the Bills, I think also have a chance, just, they're just such a, you know, who knows what happens if they end up losing and not making the playoffs on Sunday night. Um, but yeah, going, going through the AFC right now, Ravens clear in their own tier right now. Dolphins, Dolphins are just kind of getting, they're limping to the finish line and, you know, it's not even one of those, like, it's not even like a, I can hate on Tua because Tua is the reason why he's holding back. No, I mean, I, he hasn't been great, but I mean, they're just, their team hasn't been great. Uh, they've lost some players to injury. Bradley Chubb, ACL. Uh, Jalen Waddle is out with an injury. Tyree Kill is out a game. He's back, but I mean, he's not 100%. So, like, Dolphins are they're kind of worrisome. And if they lose to the Bills, they drop down to a wild card spot. They have to go on the road. Ah, it's tough. It's it's Seeing a world where the Dolphins, like, kind of get back to their form is tough. Um, Chiefs, obviously, they're receiving... The receiving options just aren't there, and Kelsey hasn't even been great. You know, I don't, I don't know if I buy the Chiefs. And like I said, the Browns. I mean, they're held together right now by like a 38-year-old immobile quarterback, but he's been getting it done very, like very, very well right now with a scheme that I think is very, you know, beneficial to him. Um, they have the weapons. Their defense is out of this world. Like the Browns are just such a weird team in the fold here, but. I think they are a dark horse. And this is where we have our teams on the bubble, like the teams that haven't clinched yet. Jaguars, I can't believe that. I can't buy them because Trevor Lawrence is held together by Band-Aids right now. Um, the Bills, like I said, they can go from either the second seed to not making the playoffs at all. And I mean, I think the Bills are the hottest team next to the Ravens right now in the AFC. They just had such a weird and you know, clunky beginning, middle of the season. Um, but they've been better. You know, the Patriots game Sunday wasn't great from them. But, I mean, like I said, they, they have a chance to be the two seed. Then you have teams like, you know, the Colts, Texans, and Steelers, which Steelers playing their best ball right now. Obviously, they've been ugly, but with Mason Rudolph, they've somehow gotten better. I don't know. Steelers, I don't buy the Steelers at all. The Texans... They've been kind of decimated by injuries, but C.J. Stroud coming back for them was big. Um, then the Colts, led by Garner Minshew, the best coaching job by anyone, I think, is Shane Steichen, the first-year coach for Indy. They lost Anthony Richardson early in the season, and they haven't really held up. You know, They've kind of been kept it rolling, and they have a big game against Houston. On Sunday, it's a win and get, or no, Saturday, a win and get in. So we'll see what happens here, but that's the AFC. Moving on to the NFC, seeing what who who's like the pretender here, I don't know. I mean I mean pretender really is the Eagles, but you know, 49ers, they're kind of resting everyone, trying to get healthy, you know, right here before the playoffs. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey had a little bit of a calf scare, but I think he's gonna be fine. Cowboys won on a very controversial game over the Lions. <clears throat> you know, that will that will kind of maybe shake out a, a lot of a lot of fates could be shaken out about how that game ended here. Um, Lions, I think, are going to play mad now. The rest of the seat, like rest of this, you know, run. They have one more game against Mini, 
Minnesota, and we'll see how they do in the playoffs. I'm very curious if they ended up playing the Rams and Matthew Stafford. That'll be a game. Um, the Eagles. I mean, the most fraudulent 11-5 and I've ever seen. <laughs> Lost to the Cardinals on Sunday. I, their offense has been super clunky. Jalen Hurts has not looked good. It's been a regression year for someone who I thought had figured it out. And I know he's been a little bit banged up, but even for a banged up player, he hasn't looked he hasn't looked good, you know. It's one of those I think we're we're seeing that those coordinators that left out for other jobs are kind of big and Nick Sirianni I think could be fired if they lose this first round uh matchup. So offense has been clunky, defense has been terrible. And I think the Eagles, if they match up with, who would they match up with? The Bucks. Like, if they win that game, I mean, it'll be just because the Bucks are in free fall in their own right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, like, I would take the Rams over the Eagles right now just because, I mean, the Rams' offense has been very potent. Matthew Stafford, a Pro Bowl selection. I'm, I'm not really talking about the Pro Bowl because it is such a joke at this point, but if there was ever a deserving quarterback from the NFC, it's Matthew Stafford making it to the Pro Bowl because he's been terrific all year. He's been, ever since he's been healthy, he's been really good. They've really kind of overcome the odds. A lot of these young guys are really good early for the Rams. They've built a very good system. Many of the teams on the outside looking in that haven't clinched, the Buccaneers or the cream of the crop, or cream of the crap, really, in the NFC South. So, sure, if they, if they win that, sure. Um, then the Packers, who aren't aren't good, but they're not bad. Jordan Love, I think, has proved enough to you know earn starting job clearly next year. Like he's performed enough, even though there hasn't been great games, he's been good enough. And I think the Packers have bigger roster issues that they have to deal with, especially on defense. Um, but I mean, I think their offense has been like it's been moving as scheduled because they have so many young guys. But big game against the Bears, who have. I mean, they've turned, the Bears have turned it around. They have. I mean, I think Justin Fields is their quarterback going forward. I think they're going to trade down a couple spots, maybe. Um, ooh, if the Bears get Brock Bowers, I, I I, might like me some Bears. I might. I don't know. I don't know, Jim. Um, but we'll see how that, if that matchup goes. Because the thing is, the Bears always end up playing the Packers and, like, this is the team, this is the time where we turn the franchise around and then the Packers just crush the Bears. Like, that. Happened at the beginning of the season. We'll see if it happens at the end of the season. Um, then we have other fringe teams that haven't been eliminated yet. Um, Seahawks, they're kind of in free fall. They're kind of in a weird limbo spot where they have to figure out what to do with Geno in the quarterback spot. Then you have the Saints who playing their best late, but they're still not a good team. The Vikings quarterback situation is jacked up. It's not good. And then the Falcons who... We know about the Falcons. We don't need to touch on the Falcons on this program. We don't, we don't need to get mad here. So, But those those are the NFL playoffs. I think that's, you know, this is really our last big football show of the year, I think. And we'll probably, you know, get into some other stuff um, probably probably after next week. You know, we'll, we'll do the Washington-Michigan talk. We'll do probably the NFL, you know, final talk of this regular season. We'll move on to the playoffs for them. But other than that, I mean, we'll look on to some baseball. We'll look on to some basketball that's ongoing. Um, anything else that might be happening. Either way. That'll do it for me. I'm your host, Luke's Coach Umar. As always, thank you for tuning in to Season 3 of Coach's Corner. We are here. We're here in 2024. Let's have a good year. Goodbye. <laughs>